This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hear more from Free FM. For a small monthly fee, you can become a patron and support independent community media. Go to patreon.com slash freefm89 to find out how. And in the studio with me, I have Tim McIndoe. And uh, very good morning to you, Tim. Good morning, Brian. Good morning to everybody listening out there. I hope that uh, despite the cold weather, you're coping all right for the onset of winter and enjoying the fact that we are now pretty much back to normal, other than the fact that the borders are obviously still closed. At least life within New Zealand is... was only six uh, days away from the shortest day as well. That's right. (laughs) Well, I was actually thinking it's back to normal, and yet uh, I've just had a dream run into town from coming in from the west. And... uh, couldn't work out where all the traffic was this morning. So right. if somebody's stolen all the traffic in Hamilton, <laughs> perhaps put it back. I, it, I, maybe I just got lucky, but it yep. seemed to be far fewer cars on the road today. For oh, some that's reason. good. And uh, you've uh, talking to you before the uh, shadow cabinet's been announced. I guess not, we haven't heard about it. Where, mm. are, you, where are you on that? Well, well, it was announced. I got a small uh, bump up the rankings, which I was pleased about. Good. Uh, and one of the roles that I've had actually for a couple of months now, um, but is particularly relevant this week, is uh, being the spokesperson for seniors. I think it might be because I'm the blondest member of uh, the <laughs> National Party caucus. Um, Mind you, I have been uh, my silver uh, st- in my silver state for a very long time. Yes, went went grey at a very young age, um, but today is a very serious issue. Today is World Elder Abuse Day. Okay, and I do want to highlight that because we are living longer, and that's good. Everybody wants to feel that they can have a longer life as long as it's a life of quality. Yep. Unfortunately, uh, there is evidence that about ten percent of New Zealand seniors are the victims of elder abuse. And when we use the word abuse, people often tend to think of physical abuse, and that certainly is a part of it. And we need to ensure that we are treating our elderly people uh, with great respect and kindness Mm -hmm. and the dignity that they deserve, not in any way pushing them around. But it goes much beyond the physical to both um, financial and emotional abuse. In, In other words, there are many different ways in which many members of our senior citizens are very vulnerable. Often they come under considerable pressure, unfortunately, within their own families. A lot of the abuse is committed by those who ought to love and care and protect them. Yeah. And so we we need to be vigilant. We need to be looking out for it. We need to um, intervene if we think that somebody we know or perhaps a neighbour or somebody we care about might be the victim of abuse, either through being, um, you you might spot changes in behaviour and becoming really quite upset, distressed, um, anxious if they're expecting visitors. And if there are any concerns, I would encourage people perhaps to reach out to an organisation like Age Concern or perhaps Grey Power in our city would be able to put people in the right direction. There are others, the Citizens Advice Bureau, a doctor. There could be all sorts of people who you could talk to, but the important thing is if you have reason to fear that somebody you know, or if you're in this position yourself and you feel that you're becoming increasingly frightened of any form of elder abuse, please do reach out for help because it's totally unacceptable and we all have mm. a responsibility to help stamp it out. Absolutely. And uh, talking of uh, things happening, uh, I see Mr Hamilton has been knocked over. 
And uh, this seems to be a worldwide sort of um, reaction. Yes. Well, I uh, spoke out against the decision on Friday to remove the statue of Captain Hamilton uh, because I think in many ways it's rewarding bullying behaviour. And we should say that if somebody is indicating that they're going to commit a criminal act, in this case an act of violence, mm. then we will take appropriate um, steps to through the police sure. in, in, in the proper way to try to prevent that from happening and to protect the target of the vandalism. Mm. I understand the reasons that the council have uh, expressed for removing it and I would hate to have seen the statue pulled down and damaged and dragged across town and dumped in the river, all of which was being threatened. Mm. But nevertheless, as I say, I am very concerned that this sets a dangerous precedent that if uh, somebody wants to um, make threats about other people's property, then rather than taking action against the perpetrator, we'll um, sort of step in and, and help do what they, they want. And it is, as you've just said, part of a much wider issue at the moment. I see the latest one is a statue of Winston Churchill being boarded Good up fun. in London. Just going to bring that up, you. In Parliament Square. Now, of course, Churchill is a, is a controversial figure himself. Uh, and in fact, um, New Zealanders and Australians have reason to feel some uh, criticism for Churchill because of his role in the disastrous Gallipoli campaign. If his political career had ended then, there's nobody in this country who would be speaking highly of him. However, he well, went on, of course, yeah. to become a, um, a Western hero through his leadership of Britain, mm -hmm. which was quite extraordinary. And he was the right person for the times in World War II and is rightly remembered very favourably for that reason. Yep. So, warts and all, people such as Churchill and others are commemorated in statutes. It doesn't mean that we're sort of um, worshipping them, uh, and I understand why some people would feel that there are aspects of their past that should not be respected and, in fact, should be highlighted. Mm -hmm. But the important thing would be to initiate the debate. Sure. Uh, and rather than pulling statues down, I would favour perhaps balancing them by having the other sides of the the story, or in many cases there are ma many sides of the story portrayed, yep. um, having greater diversity. For instance, why is there no statue in Hamilton of Dame Teati Rangikahu, uh, known to many older uh, New Zealanders as the lady, a much revered former Maori yep. queen, a woman of enormous dignity, widely respected across mm. all um, ethnic backgrounds in New Zealand, and... Um, as I say, I find it quite extraordinary that there is no statue to her and there could well be others who could be honoured in a similar way so that Civic Square might become a much more diverse yes. sort of way of, of representing our past. But to pull down a statue of Captain Hamilton after whom our city uh, is named and do it just simply because a few people were saying we're really offended by it and we're going to, yep. we're going yep. to damage it, I think is rewarding the wrong behaviour. I acknowledge the fact that Captain Hamilton never set foot in Hamilton. <laughs> uh, he died in the Battle of Gate Pa and he's buried in the Tauranga South uh, Cemetery uh, at Gate Pa and I've actually seen his grave over there. Uh, so I've always wondered why on earth he was chosen for the name for our city. I don't have a particular great no. affinity to it for that reason. Right. But nevertheless, I don't believe that this is the right way of rewarding bad behaviour. Right. One of the other things that came up, of course, we should change our street names and all mm. that sort of thing. Mm. The cost would be astronomical for very little gain. It would be. And again, I personally, I think that is nonsense. Um, 
again, aim for greater diversity in future names. Sure. And, I mean, for instance, it's fabulous that out in Woodridge, which is an area in my electorate, we now have Hari Pukki Drive representing yeah. or, or remembering a fine Komatua from our city, one yeah. of our great civic leaders. Yeah. Uh, of course, he was Komatua for the city, for Wintech yeah. and various other things, did an enormous power of good. And it's tremendous to see him being acknowledged. And you could have others mm. from um, our Maori history who could be recognised. But, of course, there are many Maori names and there are many English names. That's just the way it is. And to, yep. to suggest that we're going to go and rename everything, I think... Um, <laughs> it's going right over the top. It, it is going over the top, and it's part of a wave of hysteria that seems to be sweeping the globe at the moment, yeah. um, which is piggybacking off a very serious and Absolutely. significant issue, and Horrible. that was the death of George yeah. Floyd. The yeah. that was An act of murder, an appalling act, yes. and quite rightly we're all disgusted by it and are looking to America to sort its act out in that regard I and mean, have to be careful about not being too critical of another <laughs> ally. But the fact of the matter is we all saw in broad yeah. daylight an act of murder. It was awful. And it was awful. And uh, sadly, there's been another uh, black man killed in Atlanta just shot. over the last couple mm. of days, shot by the police. And you'd have to ask why on earth was that necessary? I dare say that more detail will come out about it, but it certainly doesn't look as if it's the sort of thing that would have led to that degree of response in New Zealand. Right. And uh, they'd clearly have major problems. But it's a huge um, leap to go from there to suggest that street names in New Zealand and stat should be changed and yep. statues should be torn down. And in yep. fact, I think this suggestion that you just can erase history is very, very dangerous. It's mm. quite Orwellian. If you yeah, read yeah. George Orwell's 1984, right. it's all about trying to um, impose the values of the day, the values of the, the totalitarian <laughs> government of the day, right. and erase everything that went before yeah. it. And we should do everything we can to resist that. I couldn't agree more, and I think that uh, we will do so in the long term. But uh, as you say, there's the American police seem to be... I know one time I was in Canada, and uh, we wanted to go into the American side to have a look at the... Uh, falls there mm. which were on the border and the the attitude of the police towards me being in New Zealand I had to produce just about everything including my birth certificate yes. mm. and all I wanted to do <laughs> was see the falls mm. Mm. Uh, and several people have reported similar experiences I think that there is a far more confrontational uh, attitude between the, um, I mean we're generalizing obviously it's a country of 330 million people but there does yeah. seem to be a much more confrontational approach between the the police and the citizenry uh, mm. in those countries, and in part it's probably because they are routinely armed, and I'm one who's very pleased that our, our police are not routinely armed, yeah. uh, because I think that we should be able to feel confident about approaching the police, talking to them, seeking help, seeking directions, whatever it might whatever. be, yep. and I think our New Zealand police do very well in that regard. Yep. They reach out to try to to be approachable and I think they reflect a tremendous degree of diversity now they're obviously continuing to work on being more and more diverse um, but you certainly don't want to feel that uh, if you happen to have a minor traffic infringement or something that you might be staring down the barrel of a gun and fearing for your life yeah. and sadly that is the reality it would seem for some in America. Mm. Well getting back onto a stabler situation in New Zealand there's been a lot of money handed out what effect is that going to have on the wider economy? Well, think? in the short term, uh, it's going to be grim. There are figures due out this week that yep. are predicted to show that uh, our uh, unemployment rate is nudging up around about 9.5%. So wow. you're getting close to double figures there. Yep. That 
uh, in the human um, cost, because it, rather than just sort of talking about stats, yeah. we need to look at what does that mean for families in, in our city and around the country. It means that livelihoods are at risk. Um, as you say, a lot of money is being spent. That means a huge amount of debt for future generations. There's no question that as a result of COVID, a lot of money does need to be spent. Yeah. But we need to ensure, given the fact that this will be borrowed money, that we are spending it wisely, not just wastefully thinking, okay, well, everybody's saying I need more, so th throw money we haven't got and then say to our grandchildren, pay it back later. Right. What we need to be doing is investing in things that will help keep jobs going, help businesses stay afloat, help create the conditions that will see new jobs being created because that gives people the ability to remain in control of their own lives and um, so there's two sides of that. They don't become dependent on the state, but they also have the ability, therefore, to look after their own families and through being contributing members of our economy to help fund the taxes that we need for our public health and education mm -hmm. systems and the police we've just been talking about yep. and all the other things to, to keep our economy ticking over. So it's, uh, it, it's a huge, huge challenge. And that's why... As I say, we do need to be spending money, but we need to be spending it wisely yes. and in ways that will make a positive difference, not just scratching every pre-election itch, right. uh, which may see a lot of that money being wasted. One of the things that occurred to me, and uh, you disagree immensely, was why don't they take uh, what Social Credit used to say, they create the money, and at the end of the day, they wipe it off. <laughs> no well, debt. I suspect that that's a, a, a full interview probably with somebody uh, more <laughs> equipped to talk about it than I am. Um, I'm just feeling naughtier. And to bringing to, something to, about to some extent, I feel that we might even be looking at that approach happening right now anyway. Yeah, <laughs> you never know. And, uh, uh, certainly printing, or seems to be close to printing more money. Uh, we're, we're borrowing uh, it anyway. Yeah. Now, the borders have been closed, and uh, when are they going to... Have any indication when they may be open again? No, uh, there are certainly um, hopes that maybe we'll have a Trans Tasman bubble, yeah, uh, maybe yep. by September. As uh, late as then? Yeah. Well, the, the the issue, of course, is that in Australia there are still some cases of community transmission. I think ah, in Victoria okay. and New South Wales, it yep. seems that the other states um, are largely in the same uh, position that we are, but. Uh, because they have both a federal and a state system of government, there has to be agreement between all of those different agencies of their government. There's also the uh, suggestion, which I think has a lot of merit, that we should be moving towards having um, bubbles with some of our neighbours in the Pacific Islands yep. who desperately need the New Zealand tourism market back there. Yep. And New Zealanders love going up to Rarotonga or um, Samoa or Fiji or wherever. Uh, so these discussions will obviously be taking place, but um, understandably the authorities are erring on the side of caution. We've done very well in New Zealand. We can be, mm. I think we're into our 28th day of being of yep. no new cases. So that would imply the um, eradication of the disease here. But there is always the possibility of it coming back across the sure. borders. Sure. And for that reason, we must continue to be very, very careful about who we let into the country, and in particular, ensuring that they are appropriately quarantined when they do come in. That, of course, means that short-term tourism is problematic for mm. New Zealanders going overseas and for people wanting to come to yeah. New Zealand. 
but let's hope it won't be too long before we can have the confidence to 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 have more relaxed conditions at yep. our borders allowing for the fact that you would probably want to maintain um, proper testing and contact tracing for everybody coming across the border for a long time mm. to come, I would mm. imagine. Fair enough. Well, I'm thinking about the election uh, in 19th of September. 19th of September, well, yes, it's only I, about 96 days now. Yeah, I had wondered whether it should have been put back to mm. November, but mm. that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. And uh, whoever wins, and particularly if National win it, are they going to get a sort of poison chalice to pick up all the uh, mm. bits and pieces? Well... Commenting on your your comment, personally, I would have thought it made sense to postpone the election as well because people tend to be forgetting that we not only have a general election, uh, we also have two referenda uh, on right. the cannabis ref- issue, legalising yep. of cannabis and also the euthanasia bill, and they're getting virtually no coverage at all. There's an advertisement on um, TV at the moment which taxpayers are funding, which I think is very irresponsible, uh, promoting the cannabis, um, the pro-cannabis legalisation mm. argument. I say irresponsible because it links in in a mischievous and um, incorrect way the medicinal cannabis argument. Well, that's already been settled yep. and it shouldn't be mentioned in the, that advert. In that particular, uh, and we're not seeing the other side of that case. We're not hearing anything about euthanasia, and yet the election is. Now, in fact, with early voting, there'll be some people voting in about 80 days from now. That's very, very close. So personally, I would have said put it off for a bit longer. However, that won't happen. As far as your question about the poison chalice is concerned, then, well, yes, you'd have to say that whichever party or parties, and it will be parties, obviously, form the next government, is to some extent inheriting a poison chalice because... The economic news is going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Joblessness is going to mm. continue to increase. Uh, there will be a lot of suffering out there and some very, very tough choices uh, that need to be made. We in the National Party, and you'd expect me to say this as a national MP, will be arguing with, that we're the team with a proven track record for dealing with a crisis okay. uh, that we brought us through the global financial crisis, through yeah. the huge impact of the Canterbury earthquakes and other issues, the Kaikoura earthquake, sure. the Rena disaster. You know all sorts of things: the, the the droughts, the attack, uh, the um, the um, PSA outbreak, rather than the yes. um, kiwi fruit industry. All of these are things which we had to handle in our time in government. And when we left office, we had been applauded around the world for our uh, ability to get New Zealand back into surplus and get back on top of things much faster than anyone yes. anticipated. So we'll be campaigning on that track record and that we still have many of the people who were part of that effort who can present a really good team up against, obviously, a very popular Prime Minister, but behind her, who has she got? We would say some very um, incompetent ministers who are just not the right people to be making the decisions needed in such challenging times. And these are the most challenging times since the Great Depression. Surely. Well, there we go. It's a, an interesting s- situation at the moment, and uh, the polls will be watched very carefully, I think, yes. between mm-hmm. now and 19th. Mm-hmm. Um, so when does the uh, official electioneering start? Well, the regulated period is a three-month period when the rules um, around campaign finances kick in, and that's three months out from election day. So it's this week on the 19th of June, we right. enter the regulated period. And that's to ensure that all candidates and parties have to abide by the same rules. And it's absolutely right that that should be. Otherwise, um, incumbents have a huge advantage over aspiring candidates. Right. 
And I remember as an aspiring candidate back in 2008 having to campaign under that appalling Electoral Finance mm. Act that Labor New Zealand First and the Greens brought in at that time, which just screwed the scrum so much in their favour and made life very difficult. But I think in the end came to cost them because people saw how bad yes. it was. Uh, so anyway, we've gone back to the old system where for three months everybody has to operate within a, a fiscal cap. There's only a certain sum that okay. you can spend on a party's campaign and only a certain sum that each candidate and can And are spend. we allowed to be talking on air about it? You're allowed to be talking, yes. No, so we can continue uh, this yes, programme? Yes, uh, despite some of the attacks on our freedoms of recent times, we can still <laughs> <laughs> we can still talk. And whenever you're told you can't, Brian, then that really is an attack on free speech, which right. should never be tolerated in this country. But, so yes, we can, you can have interviews, um, but what we couldn't just be doing is sitting there saying vote national, vote Tim McIndoe, etc. You'd have to be a little bit, bit more, uh, more balanced yeah, about that. Quite. You could you could invite the candidates in. There'll obviously be lots of different people challenging me for my job in Hamilton West and they're all entitled to come in and have an interview with you sure. and put their case as to why they'd do a better job than me and that, that's a good thing for a democracy for them to have that opportunity. Right. Oh, well, that's, that's good to know that because uh, I think one... Was it last time? There was a period of time when I couldn't actually interview them. All right, well, maybe Uh, we'd better go and check the the rules again, but it's my Uh, understanding that um, interviews are still possible because, after all, you'll have televised debates between Todd Muller and Jacinda Ardern and the the minor party leaders on the TV, so what's the difference between them going on TV and debating their point of view and me coming into your studio and debating <laughs> my point of view. And, Fair enough, And too. who knows, maybe it will turn into a, a, a debate with my opponents at some stage. That, yes. That, that, we'll be, we'll be having lots of public meetings of that yes, sort. Yes, of course. So that would happen. Um, could I just mention that yesterday Todd Muller made a significant speech over in his hometown, Tapuna, over in uh, yes. the, Bay, the Bay of Plenty electorate, which he represents, um, setting out quite a bit about his background. He had his mother, his wife and his children and some of his brothers there. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, quite a large audience from, you know, at the start, you could only see the people in a couple of front, front rows and wonder how many people were there, but when they finally panned at the end, you saw it was actually a large hall a large packed people. full of people. Right. Um, and he was not only saying, well, this is who I am, this is where I've come from, this, these are the values that he spoke very movingly about his grandparents uh, and uh, how much that of an influence, particularly his his grandfather, who'd been the mayor of Tararoa for 15 years, had been on him and shaping his mm-hmm. thinking. But also his father, who sadly died uh, just after the last election campaign got underway, and mm. um, Todd misses him very much, spoke of him as a gentle, loving man. His mother was there, and he was very warm towards her. And you saw the sort of side of Todd that that I've seen, that I know to be um, a very caring, Christian, yeah. gentle man, but also an intelligent and very capable person with a lot of professional experience. So anyway, he out- outlined a bit about his values, what drives him, what motivates him, what will be priorities for him as Prime Minister. And it's available on the National Party's Facebook page and also on Todd's. And I do encourage people to go and have a look at it. If they don't want to watch the whole thing because it's quite a long speech, perhaps um, watch the, a little bit at the beginning when he talks yep. about his family, then go towards the end when he starts talking about the things that will be priorities for him cool. as Prime Minister, because we'll obviously hear more about that. I hope that the media will cover some of what he said, although I haven't seen much of it so far. Fair enough. Well, looking at the time, I think our time today is yes. running out. We've got David Bennett coming in next week. Yes. Or, mm-hmm. or ringing in, whichever he does. Mm-hmm. And I'll see you in a fortnight. Right. And by that stage, we will be well and truly into the regulated period. And yes. uh, there will be some more 
hoardings up, I dare say, around Hamilton. Um, most of the larger ones can't go up until after the 19th of July, but right. um, there will be some of the smaller ones up in the near future. Um, and uh, yes, people will start to be aware of the fact that their campaign is on, but I am worried with the two referenda as well that there's not a lot of time for people to digest a lot of right. information and consider mm. the choices that they need to make. Right. So I, I do encourage you to keep talking about this and yep. um, for people to encourage their friends and neighbours to start asking questions and showing an interest in the things that they need to decide because, as we've discussed in this interview, some of the choices we make in this election will have an enormous cost for future generations and it's important that that cost is for the... Is, is because we're spending in the right way right? and that we really are contributing to rebuilding after what has been such a devastating time for everybody. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash freefm89 to find out more.